0: We continue today in our new series called Radical Community. We're thinking about what does it mean to be the church and how do we live as the church in this community of believers and what should that look like? Well, clearly the title of our series communicates that we believe and scripture teaches that it should be radical in so many ways. It should be completely different than anything we've experienced anywhere else. The world should look at us as believers and see a deep love and commitment both to one another and to our God. So we want to see that today in this story in Luke chapter 9 and a message called welcoming community. This of course flows out of the lesson we learned last week and that is that the radical community should be a community of radical love. And one of the verses we saw there in 1 John 4 said this, this is how love is made complete among us, that is among us as believers. And then it says in the world we are like Jesus. That's part of why we should be a radical community is because we as individuals are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Jesus, of course, was one of the most radical human beings who ever lived, and not just because he could walk on water, but more importantly, because of the radical compassion that he demonstrated in his life, the way that he loved uh, sinners, the way that he loved religious people, the way he demonstrated the very character of God in a human life. That's what we are to be becoming. And not only as individuals, but then as a church. We as a church are to take on the very nature of Jesus. Think about that. The nature of this individual Jesus is supposed to become true of us corporately as a body of people. So the way that he showed love, we are supposed to show love not just as individuals, but as a group. So that when someone comes in who doesn't know Jesus, but sees the way we radically love and serve and care for each other, they're seeing Jesus, not just in us as individuals, but in us as a community. That's why Jesus said, By this they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So that's why we're going to go back to the Gospels today and have a look at what the radical love of Jesus looks like and specifically how it should make us welcoming people. So here in Luke chapter 9, verses 10 to 17, uh, these verses Shannon read, this is the story of the feeding of of the 5,000. I have this weird feeling that I've already preached about this story here, but since none of you remember, we'll just carry right on and go for it again today. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. Notice it says, when the apostles return. What's that referring to? Well, my Bible at the start of chapter 9 has a heading that says, Jesus sends out the 12. Now, that's actually a great reminder. So, the story at the very beginning of the chapter is the story of Jesus sending out the 12 in pairs without him was one of the first times it would seem that he sent them out to do his work his ministry on their own in pairs and so he sends them out notice in verse 2 he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick and then he gave them some other instructions about how they should do so so when we get to verse 10 it says the, the apostles returned and they reported to Jesus what they had done Other Gospels would tell us that there was a great deal of excitement, that they'd actually seen the power of God working through them. They'd been able to cast out demons, and as we saw here, they had been able to heal sick people. So they came back, it would seem, with a great deal of excitement and enthusiasm, but it would also seem they came back with some weariness. One of the other Gospels would make it more clear that Jesus wanted to withdraw to a more remote place for their sake, so that they could recover from this busy trip of ministry that they had done. So notice there, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they'd done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He, notice, he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. I want us to see four things that we can learn from Jesus here in this story. So Jesus, the most radical person who ever lived, as we want to learn about being a radical community, we start with love. And that's where I would say we need to start here in this story. Now, Luke doesn't actually mention this, but both Matthew and Mark mention the compassion of Jesus at the outset of the story of the feeding of the 5,000 in one of the stories it talks about how they get to this remote place and they had taken a boat and all of these people had kind of chased them around the shore of the Sea of Galilee because it wasn't a huge lake so you could kind of get the trajectory that the boat's heading that way so they run around probably over the course of several miles but they're able to get there where Jesus lands and you can almost hear read between the lines the annoyance of the disciples and we're going to see it later here in the story, but you can almost get the idea that the disciples had looked forward to some quiet time with Jesus. We just want a break from all of these people, and yet there they are, they show up. Matthew and Mark tell us that Jesus had compassion on these people. In one case, Mark tells us that he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. Now, we, we don't know a lot about sheep. And shepherds uh, some may know a little bit about sheep farming in our area but to be a sheep a shepherd in those days was to live with the sheep. you never saw sheep without a shepherd if you did see sheep without a shepherd they were in grave danger and Jesus saw people that way so the, the whole story flows first from his heart of love exactly what we saw last week this radical love that Jesus has for people, not just his own people, not just for Jewish people, not just for his disciples, but for all people. So he had compassion on them. The compassion, of course, led to. Oh, there's the verse there. Sorry, I meant to show you that. And Jesus landed and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Then we see here in Luke's gospel that he welcome them this is an interesting word it's not used a lot in our bibles luke is the only author who uses this word welcome and it means to receive gladly it means to embrace so notice it there again in verse 11 the crowds learned about it and followed him he welcomed them he gladly received them do you ever have someone come to your door and it was that awkward thing where they kind of acted like they wanted to come in and you didn't really want them to come in and you probably didn't do this. You probably didn't receive them gladly the way that Jesus did. And how did he prove that? He proved that by what he would continue to do once he received them. Now, I just want to park on this for a moment because to be followers of Jesus means that we need to be these kinds of people the kind of person who receives others gladly. Now, I look around the room, and I know that we all have different personalities, right? So there are some people in this room who uh, are energized by being around people, Uh, energized even by meeting strangers, and talking with strangers, and getting to know people that you don't even know. There are other people in this room who are terrified And We won't take a show of hands, but you know who you are and there's a lot of you in this room because we're Wallenstein And there's a lot of us. I'll include myself in this who might tend to be shy Who probably don't get energized by talking to strangers by or or even having conversation And making eye contact with someone that we don't know very well But I want us to see here in the life of Jesus and not just in this story, but in all the Gospels And I don't know what his personality was, but I know that he was demonstrating the heart of God, and he's showing us that God's heart is one of welcome. He loves to receive. His door is always open. His heart is always open to others. His arms are always open. Love the story of the women, the moms who bring their children to Jesus. And in that culture, women, children weren't that important. So his disciples, thinking that they were important and that Jesus was important, they rebuke these mothers. Jesus doesn't have time for you. And immediately, Jesus, in one of the strongest terms that the New Testament uses for anger, it says he's indignant toward his disciples. And he says, let the children come to me. Then we read of him embracing them, taking them in his arms and blessing them. And that is a picture of what Jesus does. The children there, of course, are a picture of people who were less than in that society. Not important, not valued, but Jesus had time for them. There was the leper, and I might have mentioned this story last week, who uh, on, on the roadway said to Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus didn't just say, I'm willing. He didn't just heal him. He went to him and touched him. A man with a a disease that was uh, feared in those days. But showing this open heart, this compassionate kindness, this glad glad reception of other people. This is the heart of Jesus. This should be the heart of a church, shouldn't it? This is the way that we should treat one another. Now let's just park for a moment on this uh, concept when it comes to other believers. And other believers in our church. Should we not receive one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, not just other believers, but other believers that we happen to share church with? We do church with them. Together we've signed the family commitment. We've committed ourselves to following Jesus here in the context of this church. What does Scripture call us to? What would Jesus call us to? He would call us to this, this warm welcome, this embrace of one another. Um, Someone came up to me recently and said, by the way, I'm a hugger. It's always nice when they warn you first, right? (laughs) And I said, well, so am I. Now, not everyone is going to be comfortable with various forms of affection that we might show here in our church community, but let's remember what Scripture teaches. It's a kiss. It's a holy kiss or a kiss of love. Now, what's the, the lesson there when, uh, f- I think it's four times in the New Testament, we are, told, we are commanded in God's Word to kiss one another. Now, what's the lesson there? The lesson there is for us to remember that this is the kind of community that we are meant to be. Loving, compassionate, open hearts, open arms. We love and receive one another in this way. All right, so we don't do the holy kiss What do we do? I believe the point of that lesson there, that message, that that command, is that when people look at us as believers, they see the way we rub shoulders, the way we interact. They see a community of love. Well, I'll tell you what it can't mean. And I know we've gotten to be a bigger church. There's a lot of people here. There's strangers here. But listen, if they're brothers and sisters in Christ, they're not strangers, even if you don't know them. Now, what I'm not saying is you need to hug everyone who comes through the door, but now you know I'm a hugger, so if you got one for me today, I'll gladly take it. But we do need to find ways to love each other tangibly. So here's a few suggestions for us. Don't walk past anybody and not make eye contact. Let's not do that here, not in this building, not in our parking lot. We see somebody, we walk past somebody, first thing we can do is make eye contact then we can double the power of that. We can smile, right? We can do that. And even if you're afraid to say anything, if you would make eye contact with someone and smile, you are communicating what? Welcome. You are welcome here. I'm glad to see you. Don't know who you are, don't know your name, but I'm glad you're here. Now, we can add to that, can't we? We can do a handshake. We, can, as, we don't have to just walk past someone we don't know. We can look at them. We can smile. Then we can go to them and we can reach out our hand and we can say, Hi, I'm Gary. And we all have had the awkward thing when someone says, So, how long have you been here? Are you new? No, been here five years. (laughs) Well, that's great. That's going to happen in a larger church. Let's smile and laugh and chuckle about that and say, Praise the Lord, I'm so glad to be part of this family with you. We can go further than that, and we're going to see in a moment that we can actually use words. We can speak, we can talk, we can get to know each other. I am asking us as a church to be radical, all right? If you're the person who feels terrified to speak to someone you don't know, let's get radical. Let's start with the eye contact. How about that? Let's be radical. Let's smile. And let's reach out our hand. Maybe for you, getting radical is, yeah, the little side hug. Maybe it's saying hello, giving your name, asking the name, asking them how they're doing. How can I pray for you? There's so many things that we can do to extend this welcome of Christ and it really needs to begin with each other. That should be true of us as a church family. Well, we notice as we read on in verse 11 that Jesus demonstrated his welcome in a couple of ways. First of all, by speaking to them. Crowds learned about it, followed him, he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. So we can use words. I didn't bring my phone up this morning. But it's interesting, if we're honest, how smartphones have changed the way we communicate, haven't they? And it is so easy now to pull out the smartphone and send a text. So since I love to embarrass myself, I'll just remind you of the text I sent Jeremy last April Uh, from my pocket... And if there was ever an emoji that sent love, it's got to be that one. <laughs> so I told you that story. And then a couple of weeks later, I was at the high school graduation. I was texting Jeff, stuck my phone in my pocket, and then he got this. <laughs> and the little blue lady there, she's crying. It's, it's one of these gifts, the little video things. And then the little puppy falls asleep and falls over. And Jeff didn't even react or respond to this. (laughs) And I'm not sure if I should be thankful for that or hurt. Now, what do we do about this? What what do we do? Okay, so first of all, turn your phone off before you stick it in your pocket. That's, That's the first place to start. Is it possible for us to do ministry with our phones? Can we encourage somebody with a text message or with a Facebook message? And the answer is yes, we can do that. But I want us to not forget about the power of speaking face-to-face, right? It's a bit of a lost art, and we want to make sure we don't lose this, and we absolutely don't want to lose this as believers. Can we do ministry in this way? Yes. But let's remember to speak. We've talked already about making eye contact. Get close to someone, shake their hand, and speak words to them. That is what Jesus did. We see him doing this all through his ministry where he would speak to individuals and then when the crowds would come, he would speak to them. And what is he doing? He's, he's expressing compassion and kindness for them. He's teaching them about the kingdom of God. Why? Because he loves them and he's giving them words that they need for their own spiritual benefit. This is what we should do as well. We should welcome one another and we should use words. So here's the radical community. And again, you might be the person who's shy. I don't want to meet anybody new. I don't want to talk to anybody I don't know. But with God's help, and remember what we learned last week, everything that God intends to do in us and through us is supernatural. So we get the privilege of saying, God, I'm scared. Would you help me? So we can walk out this door today. We can get up from our seat. We can meet someone we've never met before. And we can say, God, would you help me not to be afraid? Would you give me words of kindness for someone? Would you help me? To speak. Now one of the things that uh, we want to emphasize here, the first panel on the inside, is our small groups. Uh, if you've never been a small group, by the way, when I, when I get to know some of you, uh, and you, many of you probably would say, yeah, Gary does that. I ask about you and how long have you been at the church, and, and one of the things I'll, f- I'll try to find out is how well connected. Have you gotten to know anybody? Have you been able to make any friends? And then I'll say, have you found a small group? because I, we just believe that's such, a, such an important thing. Now, there's a number of things here that are providing various opportunities. For example, School of Discipleship, one of the reasons we're doing a, a year-long cohort is that we want there to be a group of people who does this together so that they can be building relationships, getting to know each other, and encouraging each other in the faith. And this happens in many of the other groups. We've seen it happen in our Christianity Explored groups. Uh, we've seen it happen in young adults, women's Bible studies uh, of various kinds. In the senior ministry staff we get to hear the seniors laughing and singing together even an accordion it's a real blessing to us there's an opportunity for us to go deeper in relationship and that's certainly true of our small groups so if you're not well connected here i want to challenge and encourage you to find a way to do that first possibility would be small groups Uh, you can uh, let us know simply by texting small group to that number You can let us know that you're interested in being part of a group If you've been part of a group and you're interested in trying a different group You can text this number and let us know Uh, The the intent here is that we would get to know each other on a deeper level transformation happens Not when we stay inside of our shell But when we put ourselves out there when we get to know each other when we allow god to use other people in our lives I really believe that this is true. It's it's obviously harder when we gather on Sunday mornings with hundreds of people to get to know each other deeply and to speak really important words into one another's lives. It is possible. And I think we should come to church on Sunday mornings, not just thinking, I wonder if the sermon will be good, I wonder if the, the music will be good, I hope the coffee's better than last week. But we can actually be praying, Lord, who can I speak to, who can I encourage today? Who's here hurting? who needs a a word of compassion and we can be saying Lord I need I need you to speak into my life through your people we can pray that God would do that we can do that here we can do do it even more deeply in small groups and in smaller contexts and settings Jesus spoke to the people then we find there you go one more time Then we find after he has done so for a while. By the way, he didn't just speak to them in verse 11. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who needed healing. Have we seen that, those two things? Have we already read that in this passage this morning? We actually have. Back in verse 2, when Jesus sent out his disciples, what did he tell them to do? He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus had just sent the disciples out two by two? Apparently, they had done this ministry. Now, he takes them aside for rest, but this huge crowd shows up, and you really get the impression here that Jesus was the only one who engaged in what was exactly the same work that he had sent them out to do. My impression is Jesus taught the kingdom of God and healed, And the rest of the disciples spent the rest of the day, it would seem to me, pouting. Jesus had given them the words to speak. He'd given them the the ability to tell others about the... He'd literally given them the supernatural ability to heal. And they sat around wondering when everyone would leave so they could start their day off. We do not read of the disciples healing anyone or speaking to anyone or participating in any way the only thing we read happens in verse 12 all right now they're going to engage late in the afternoon the 12 came to him jesus and said send the crowd away okay first thing they've said all day let's get rid of these people now they had a good excuse didn't they So they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. I really believe that we're meant to read between the lines. And I really believe this is the impression that Luke intends for us to have. Is that Jesus spent the day ministering to people and the disciples did not. And at the end of the day they came to Jesus asking that he would send the people away. And what does Jesus do in response? Don't you love what he says here? His reply in verse 13? What was it? You give them something to eat. You see, one of the things that we miss as we read the Gospels, we read about Jesus, we read the miracles, we read the teaching, and we tend to think, well, this is just telling us about Jesus. What we miss is that the Gospels are telling us the story of the training of the disciples famous case would be John chapter 4 when Jesus travels through Samaria he says I need to go through Samaria they go through Samaria he meets a woman at the well she becomes a believer Uh, in fact the whole village it seems becomes converted to followers of Christ I really believe that one of the major reasons Jesus had to go through Samaria is because he had 12 men who hated Samaritans and his, his intention was to take them to Samaria. We're going to do ministry in Samaria. I'm going to teach you how to love the Samaritan people. I'm going to show you that God saves Samaritan people. So you come through the story of the woman at the well and her response and the village's response, and then you hear Jesus turn to his disciples and say, don't you see the fields are ripe for harvest? You see what was happening there? It was training. Now, Jesus is God, So when they set off to this remote place, here Luke tells us they went to the area of Bethsaida. Jesus being sovereign God, did he know the crowd was going to show up on the day off? Yeah, he did. And he is training his disciples, and when he turns to them and says, you give them something to eat, what he's saying is, participate with me. Love these people the way I love them. Work with me here. He's wanting them not just to see that this is what they are called to, but now to have the joy. Don't you think? Don't you think Jesus wants the disciples to have the joy of being a living miracle to the people that were there? And so the last thing we see in this story is hospitality. Jesus... Uh, said in various parts in the gospels that he had no home he foxes have holes he said Uh, birds have nests i have nowhere to lay my head so when jesus decided he wanted to put out a meal for somebody he had to do it in the wilderness didn't have a kitchen to cook in but he asked the disciples what do you have they said we only have five loaves of bread and a few fish probably just enough for the 12 of them plus jesus But Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Verse 14 tells us, Luke says, there were 5,000 men there, likely women and children on top of that. He said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Why? Well, we do that when we invite people over. We want to make sure they have a nice place to sit. When we're going to have our meal, we sit at the table. We're comfortable. So he has the disciples seat the people Then Jesus, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. I wish I could be there. What was it like for the disciples? They knew what they started with, five loaves, two fish. You know, in the movies, Jesus lifts up the basket with the five loaves and two fish, when he pulls it down again, it's great cinematography, right? He pulls it down again, and it's loaded with loaves and. F- I don't know how it all happened, but miraculously, the baskets were loaded with food. They were distributed. They went. The food went way farther than anyone expected. They came back. There was more. This is the hospitality of Jesus. Have you ever noticed how meaningful it is when someone feeds you, right? Why is it that when someone feeds you, when someone, you, you meet someone at Tim Hortons, they say, I got it this time. I'll get your coffee. I'll get your donuts. There's something about that. When someone has us into their home and they feed us, we get to see them up close. We get to sense their, their kindness, their generosity to us. We find out how well they make spaghetti. And it's wonderful. It's personal. It's It's generous. And it deepens relationships. What's interesting is how often the Bible speaks of this as a, an, an important ministry tool. Paul spoke of it in Romans chapter 12. He says be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Did you ever notice this is a command of scripture? None of us can say, well, the Lord never told me to be hospitable. Actually, he has. Paul tells us to be hospitable. Peter tells us to be hospitable. He says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then the writer of Hebrews, who we don't know who that was, tells us to be hospitable. He says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it that's an interesting verse it is a command of scripture for us to be hospitable to one another when i grew up as a boy i remember sundays sunday mornings and i remember asking this question to my parents so who's coming over today or i might say or are we going somewhere else Because it was a time frame, at least within the the Christian communities that I was part of, where Sunday was the day when you invite someone back. Our kids grew up uh, with friends around them in our church. Sunday became the perfect day to bring someone else's kids home, and everyone, all the kids could hang out together, feed them. Some of those farm kids could eat way too much. (laughs) It is a bit of a lost art, isn't it? It's not something that we do anymore. In fact, it's something that many of us would be terrified at the thought of having someone into our home. You mean, we? But what if we burn the food? Like, how clean does the house need to be? How do we even do this? And there's a tremendous amount of fear, anxiety around opening our home, opening our lives. But do you see how hospitality is the opportunity for us to be truly welcoming? Jesus had open arms, and he opened, he opened this meal to people, and he calls us to do the same. Welcome one another, open your lives, open your doors to one another. Now, we don't all have the same skills in this area. I believe that hospitality can look differently for different people. For those of you who, by God's grace, can open your home, you can afford to do that. I would encourage you and challenge you to do that. Small group is a place where that happens. Generally, you're gonna gather in someone's home and you I always loved it when everybody brought a dessert. And that's hospitality. Let's, let's do it. Or maybe you have a snack list and you take turns. It's, it's hospitable. Hospitality can happen at Tim Hortons. A lot of great ministry happens at Tim Hortons. I can invite someone to Tim Hortons and I can buy the coffee. That's hospitality. There's all kinds of ways that we can do this but it's what Jesus did. It's what he was teaching his disciples to do, and it's what Scripture commands us to do. Now, Andreas alluded to this earlier in his announcement. When we think about what it means to be a welcoming church, what it means to be a welcoming believer, all of this, of course, goes back to Jesus himself. Romans fifteen seven says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Jesus, in his ultimate act of sacrifice, was nailed to a cross in which his arms were stretched out wide, and I would argue symbolically for the open heart and the open arms that he would have for all people through his death. Everyone is invited. Everyone is welcome to find salvation through what was happening right there on the cross. He gave his life. He died he suffered so that we could be accepted in him and in god we could find forgiveness the sin that had driven us away from god that had driven this deep wedge between humanity and god now through jesus it can be wiped clean and his arms can be open wide to us even though we're sinners and through christ and his sacrifice we can be fully accepted you see everywhere where we are taught to love one another this way it always goes back to jesus Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Forgive one another as God has forgiven you. And here we see it, accept one another as Christ has accepted you. How crazy is it for us to gather in a church and celebrate the fact that we have been saved, that we are the people of God, that I have found salvation in Christ, and I'm good, and I've got my my eternal hope. But then turn and close our arms and our heart to other believers and to the people of of this world who desperately need Jesus. Do you see how inconsistent that is? And that is what scripture is showing us. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. In one place he said, freely you have received, freely give. So if we're here today and we are recipients of the amazing grace of God through Jesus and through the gospel, scripture says now extend that. Be that person, be Jesus, first to your church family. Next, let it flow out into the community. And if someone comes through our doors on a Sunday morning and they don't know Jesus, or maybe they are believers and they've come from another place, may they find here in us the very welcome of Christ. Arms and hearts opened wide to them. Why? Because we're so amazed that God would open his arms and his heart to us. And because we're recipients of that, we are now the people of welcome. We will not close our hearts, even to someone who is a sinner. Do you know why, why I believe the, the disciples were so reluctant to minister to these people? Who were the people that followed Jesus into the wilderness? They were the outcasts. They were the crippled people. They were the diseased people. I suspect for many of the disciples, they were turned off by these people, and they wanted Jesus to send them away. Who is it that turns you off, that causes you to recoil? God says, no, love them. Welcome them. Receive them on the basis of what Christ has done for you. I love these words of Paul, and he writes to the Corinthian church, who was questioning whether he was a legitimate apostle to them, whether he really loved them, and he appeals to them in 2 Corinthians. And here he says, We, the apostles, have opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you. Open wide your hearts also. Are we a welcoming church? We are a welcoming church if we are welcoming people. And as individuals, we look people in the eye, we smile, we welcome them, and we love them. There are people here today because they came through those doors as strangers and they were loved and welcomed. There are people who are not here today because they came through those doors, and I know people, and did not feel loved and welcomed. We don't blame that on the greeters. The welcomers are the ushers. That's on all of us to be a church, a family, where everyone who comes through these doors finds the love of Jesus and the welcome of Jesus through us as a church. So we're going to sing. We're going to stand and sing a well-known song, Mighty to Save. We sing these words, Everyone needs compassion. And then we're going to sing, Shine the light and let the whole world see. And God says, yes, it is through us, it is through his church that he will show compassion. It is through his people that he will shine his light. Let's stand and sing Mighty to Save.
1: Everyone needs compassion. Love that's never failing, let mercy fall on me. Everyone
0: needs forgiveness,
1: the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen. shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation. Conquered the grave, Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to say, He is mighty to say, forever, author of salvation.
0: welcome. Though we are sinners, though we ran from home, we we rebelled against our creator and our father, and you have welcomed us back through Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross. Our, Our rebellion and our sin can be washed away so that now you can receive us with open arms, and so many of us in this room would say amen. We have received the goodness of God, his salvation through Christ, and Lord, I pray for us uh, that, that for all who've received that warm welcome that we would extend it to others that we would extend it to others in this place as we meet new people guests uh, some who know you some who don't that they would find in us a warmth an openness uh, a love that that demonstrates to them the very love and kindness of Jesus may that be true of us Lord make us radical in this way transform us give us courage And may we look to you for supernatural help in all of this. We so want people to see the beauty of Christ through us. So Lord, start by letting us, causing us to see your beauty so that we might long to show that same beauty through our lives. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.